0: Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, keeping it real with Melody podcast. Melody is a classic dreamer who started as a flight attendant and worked her way to now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and dynamic entrepreneur in various industries. This podcast is for the dreamers and doers. Learn how to think, act, and speak big as business leaders share how they turned from dreamers to leaders.
1: Good morning, Phil. Welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, Melody. It's a uh... It's great to
0: be on your show. Thank you. Let us begin. If you could share with our audience your backstory on how you started as an executive coach specializing in emotional intelligence.
1: Oh, boy. How much time do we have? <laughs> I, uh, I've i been an executive coach uh, working with executives and organizations all over the world for the last 23 years. Excuse me, prior to that I was an executive for 20 years in the semiconductor industry, traveling about 60,000 miles per year throughout North America and the Pacific Rim. Um, but I was born with dyslexia and my dyslexia uh forced me to do a lot of what I refer to as emotional labor and that actually helped to uh enable me to do what I do now. So twenty three years—that's uh,
0: that's fantastic. So emotional intelligence, for the sake of our uh, audience out there, what is the main difference between emotional intelligence and, and IQ intelligence? Oh, that's a that's a great question.
1: Um, <clears throat> emotional intelligence, uh, like leadership, is developed. It's an experiential type of intelligence, and it differs from. Uh, intellectual intelligence in that you can't develop it by reading a book or having a conversation or watching a video. So it's an experiential process. Mm-hmm. And um, University of California at Berkeley did a 40-year study comparing IQ with EQ, and they concluded that emotional intelligence was 400% more valuable in determining uh, success in intellectual intelligence. So let me just give you a bit of a a numeric example. Let's think of intellectual intelligence as somebody giving you $10,000 a day for 31 days. So at the end of 31 days, you've got $310,000. Think of emotional intelligence as a penny that doubles in value. So day one, you have a penny. Day two, you have two pennies. Day 31, you have $10.7 million. Day 40, you've got over 5 billion. Day 50, you've got over 5 trillion. So whereas our ability to do intellectual labor is genetic. If you have a high IQ, your parents had a high IQ, their parents had a high IQ, and you simply inherited those genes. So not everybody can have 160 IQ, but everybody can develop their emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence the value is massively greater than intellectual intelligence. And our mm-hmm. educational system has really let us down because it's focused primarily on our ability to do intellectual labor and has done very little um, to develop our emotional well, intelligence. I I so agree with you,
0: uh, Phil. As a matter of fact, I think I shared with you that uh, it was only in the last six, seven years that um that intelli- uh, emotional intelligence or we call it esi here uh in, in the us emotional and social intelligence have been in my radar so for the for the longest journey of my my adulthood <laughs> that wasn't really in um really the usual thing that people would really want to to invest in developing But what you're sharing with our audience right now is massive, considering what you've mentioned on that compounding effect of of emotional intelligence to an individual. And to piggyback on what you said on the 400% per Berkeley on how that could impact an organization, I also read somewhere that um, I believe 75% of reasons why one's career is derailed is because of that incompetence or that inefficiency or that lack of emotional intelligence. So I'm so glad that you're here to actually shed some lights on really the benefit of of having. Uh, emotional intelligence, especially with our platform of um, effective leadership. So how can one develop um, emotional intelligence then, Bill?
1: It always starts out, you have to, first of all, have an emotional connection to something you're trying to achieve, something you want to achieve that's going to be greater than the fear that gets triggered in us when we leave our comfort zone in the pursuit of that desired result. So it always begins with um, developing or recognizing an emotional connection to something you feel strongly about. That Hmm. really becomes what I refer to as the fuel for the journey. If you don't have an emotional connection that's stronger than the fear that's going to get triggered in you, you may want better results than you're currently getting, but you're not going to be willing to do the emotional labor that getting better results requires.
0: Mm-hmm. So so obtaining that emotional connection then, um, how does one really go about doing that? Are there like methods or practices or exercises that one could harness in order for them to to understand how to connect emotionally to maybe a goal or or is there any technique <clears throat> to that effect?
1: Yeah, um, it helps to uh, it helps to become more present, more in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, see, think of think of our passion for. For instance, in my case, coaching, uh, leadership and emotional intelligence. Although I've been doing it for 23 years, I've been wanting to do it for about 53 years. No way. Um, and even though I was, I was scared to, uh, to get started, um, I kept getting pulled back to this passion. It's kind of like uh, my true north. Your true north, yes. That um inner so compass. Mm-hmm. we all have that true north in us. And if we can learn to lower our walls by being more present, uh we can allow that passion to surface. Mm. So it's we kind of person. shut off that voice. That voice in the back of our head that's that's always going. We need to kind of quiet our mind to allow that passion to uh, to become more apparent for us. Mm-hmm. And thus, I
0: think the book behind you, being in the present, and that's kind of his main uh, essence of what he uh, what he teaches. Part of mindfulness, and you know, setting aside time to um to meditate would help us connect to that inner voice would you agree
1: yeah we actually uh it's interesting um this may surprise your listeners our listeners um but we spend over four trillion dollars every year trying to be in the present moment trying to shut off Mm -hmm. that voice in the back of our head uh and some of the ways we do that are destructive and they actually pull us below consciousness. But learning to lower our walls, um, enables us to actually become more conscious. So we, we actually can evolve as opposed to devolve. Mm-hmm. Four trillion. In, in what sense?
0: What would kind of be the, the resources to, to that effect? Would that be? Um, you know, all the sound apps or relax or spa or
1: what, well, what is that? Some of, the, some of the negative aspects, some of the negative ways we try to do it is with drugs and alcohol. Oh, gotcha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so the vices. <laughs> well, they're, we don't know that they are vices necessarily. Um, we're really trying to be more present. We're really trying to shut off our, our thinking process. Um, and that's actually a, it's a, it's a, it's a destructive way to do it, but that's the objective. There are more constructive ways to shut off that voice and be more present. Um, that more and more people that have to do with, uh, the development of our leadership and emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, so
0: those vices that you mentioned from alcoholism, maybe even gambling and whatnot, are people that are trying to to escape and not listen to their inner voice, right? Not confronting uh the monkey behind their, their back uh, uh type of thing. So what would you what would be your top um tips for those who want to to evolve and not regress and really have um you know to listen to that inner voice? I, so for, you mentioned being in the moment and, and, and part of that, what would be something practical and concrete uh, for for our audience out there to do and practice today after, yeah. after yeah. listening yeah. to us?
1: Yep. <laughs> um, so we actually give away our energy uh, based on ego-based fear, and that pulls us out of the present moment. And I'll give you an example of how we do that. Um, and it's called authentic listening. And the key to authentic listening is not to take anything personally, how somebody feels about you, whether they like you or whether they don't has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what's going on inside of them. But if how you feel about you is based on how anybody else feels about you, who's running your life, you or them giving away your energy to them to determine how you should feel about yourself. If you like me, I like me. If you don't like me, I don't like me. Um, Ah. (laughs) So as as strange as that might sound, what I've described is all of social media. We bend over backwards trying to get people to like us so that we can feel better about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's just one of many, many ways We unconsciously give away our energy and that causes us to raise our walls and we become more resistive, more judgmental and more attached to outcome. And that blinds us to being able to connect with who we are or see others for who they are. So it's quite a uh, it's a global problem.
0: You know, um, so I think you could add that to the list of those that would not really help with with anyone uh, trying to develop emotional intelligence when, you know, yes, there's alcoholism. And then there's also that obsession or addiction to social media and all the fakeness, the opposite of authentic. And what do you think is a good uh, is a good solution? Do that.
1: <laughs> or that's uh, for another topic. <laughs> so, le- learn to stop giving away your energy. Mm-hmm. Learning, learning to, here's the key. Um, learning to stop giving away your energy creates remarkable results. Uh, you become a more inspirational leader. You develop your emotional intelligence. You become more conscious of what's going on in you and around you which also frees you from your ego-based fears, which leads to higher levels of trust and engagement, which guarantees, and I want to underline, guarantees career, corporate, and personal success. And I'd like to give you an example of a company that's currently doing, is currently valued at $2.2 trillion, and they're doing about $600 billion a year in annual revenue. And their primary hiring focus is emotional intelligence. Ooh, all right. That company is Apple. Apple. That's why when you walk into an Apple store, the energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and, if possible, offer a solution to your pain. They want you to have a great experience Whether you buy anything is secondary. So maybe you'll go tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. And if you think about it, that energy you feel in that environment is a very different energy from the energy coming out of the stores surrounding that environment. So because of the accelerating rate of global change we're facing, more and more companies are hiring, developing, and promoting largely based on emotional intelligence. Thank you, uh Phil, for for sharing that. It just
0: validates again. I'm, I'm actually um launching a book. <laughs> it's called Celebrate, S-E-L-L, uh Celebrate. Uh it's a sales guide for those who hate to lose. And and part of that is uh, you know, a chapter on marketing. And and truly with sales marketing, there's there's all that emotional. Uh, connection, emotional messaging, uh, that, um, that needs to be present for people to, you know, to have it resonate and for them to identify themselves with a the brand, so on and so forth. And Apple truly amplifies that with their emotional messaging on, um, on how they brand, you know, the branding, the minimalism, the, the, it's almost now synonymous to, um, you know, product exclusivity. And, and what they do. And all that is
1: all purchasing decisions uh, are made mm-hmm. in the limbic part of our brain. All purchasing decisions are made emotionally first. And then after we've decided right. what we're going to do, we look for features and benefits intellectually to justify the decision we've already made emotionally. So by developing your emotional intelligence, you are literally able to out your competition um see because we've evolved from herds and tribes over hundreds of millions of years um we've had to develop the ability to sense whether somebody's trying to help us or eat us so Ooh. we have these specialized brain cells in our prefrontal cortex that brain scientists call mirror neurons That's why when you walk into a room, you can sense the energy in the room or you're having a conversation with somebody. You can sense their authenticity. You can sense whether they're trying to help you or hurt you. So if. You lower your walls, if you develop your emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. people will pick up on that and you'll be able to develop a higher level of engagement. So if a customer feels that your success and their success are connected, they'll find a way to do business with you even if you don't have the best pricing or the best technology. If they feel that, if they don't trust you, they'll find a way not to do business with you even if you have the best pricing or the best technology. So really what it comes down to is emotional intelligence. As you develop your emotional intelligence, the ROI continues to increase exponentially. Mm-hmm. And I think you touched on
0: um on something that you shared the last time on um the the ROI difference from from a company that's um that really has EQ as their primary, um, you know, training or wanting to make sure that the, the staff are, um, uh, the organization really has that EQ as a forefront of what they need to develop versus IQ. So, um, so for, for our listeners out there, yes, it's good to have that, um, that intelligence, right? (laughs) And all that, but, um, you know, studies, that you have shared you know from Berkeley to you know if we really understand the success of, of apple and how eq really can uh benefit an organization not only an organization but i think in in your personal relationship as well would you agree phil
1: yeah um we're facing a tsunami of accelerating global change with a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. Um, Some scientists estimated in this century, we could experience the equivalent of 20,000 years worth of change or 200 centuries worth of change. That has never happened before. So we need to be developing our emotional intelligence to be able to deal with the fear and anxiety that's going to trigger in us, uh, the development of emotional intelligence has become essential not only for career, personal and corporate success, but it's really essential for us to, uh, continue to grow as a species. Um, we're really, uh, in many ways we're at a tipping point, um, the development of emotional intelligence uh, is going to become a multi-trillion dollar a year industry because it represents a, a whole part of our development that's missing. Our educational system has failed us. Our employment mm-hmm. system has failed us because it's focused primarily on our ability to do intellectual labor and has done nothing to develop our emotional intelligence. So we're heading into this tsunami of accelerating global change. And we're completely unprepared for the drama, chaos, and conflict that's going to trigger in us both biologically and sociologically. Mm -hmm. You know, that is...
0: God, that is so true. You know, with with Chat GPT and uh, and the invasion of AI, right? I mean, of course, there's so much advantage and benefit of that, but there's also the, the challenges of of the takeover of AI. In AI in is the just world. a tool.
1: AI is just a tool. It's a reflection of our current level of consciousness. In order for so AI is basically goes in and looks at all the data everywhere. So it's really without without judgment yeah. and um so in order for us in order for ai to become a better tool for us we have to raise our level of consciousness we have to raise our level of emotional intelligence and as we do that the tool will become better mm-hmm. but it it will only reflect our current level of consciousness uh, I agree. So, so
0: that is a tool. The social media is another tool. I mean, all these bombardment of, of info overload, right? So having a high self-awareness, right? Having eye, uh, emotional intelligence, emotional social intelligence, um, and, and, and developing that compassion and empathy
1: as a leader. Those are ingredients. Emotional intelligence involves feelings, and this is where it this is where it's important. Um, Whenever we take an action that that causes us to move outside of our comfort zone, there's a part of our old lizard brain called the amygdala that, for the last several hundred million years, has been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never do that. And if we do, it automatically uh, triggers the release of a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol. And that causes the executive center of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. Some people lash out, some people run away, some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. When that happens in conflict situations, people die. Mm-hmm. When it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development mm. of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that change and innovation always triggers in us and moves through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve, as opposed to allowing that fear to keep us trapped in our comfort zones. So emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence are two very different types of intelligence. And quite frankly, um, intellectual intelligence is vastly inferior to emotional intelligence. You also mentioned energy a while ago. So let's talk about that relationship
0: of energy and emotion and how it affects uh, frequencies. Uh, Share with the audience how that is related. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, we're only actually conscious about three to 5% of the time, which is fine. Uh The rest of the time we're relying on our unconscious habits to drive the bulk of our behavior and our results. But when we're born, we're not born with a conscious mind. Uh We are born with an unconscious mind, but we don't start to become conscious until we're about a year or so old. But we immediately start. Wiring up our brain, creating the neural network pathways in our brain that become our habits in order to survive, fit in, get food, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of those habits unconsciously cause us to give away our energy. And we do it in lots of different ways, how we communicate, listen, take responsibility, make decisions, all sorts of ways, Um but when we give away our energy, it creates an energy deficit in us. So at the same time, we're giving away our energy over here. We have to be trying to replace that energy by trying to steal energy from other people over here. And that dynamic is going on inside of everybody, everywhere, all over the world, all the time. And that is the root cause of all drama, chaos and conflict. <laughs> and that, and that is the reason why there's such toxicity within organizations. Gallup Mm -hmm. estimates the current level of employee engagement worldwide is about 13%. Low levels of employee engagement are costing U.S. economy alone over a trillion dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And it's all related to energy physics. It's all related to our unconsciously giving away our energy and the subsequent need that triggers in us to steal energy from other people.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's the energy vampires, right? I think that's the term that they, they use now. And, uh, yep. and uh, what's funny is um, yesterday, I think I spoke, I told my son how, how important energy is. And it's just weird that we're talking about it. Uh, and he said, the minute you walk in the room, it's either you affect or infect. Uh, it's, people, called emo- right? it's called emotional contagion. Yes, so true, so true. So um, I like that, and also I think this last week I've been really devouring, um, you know, books, materials that um, that talk about the emotion, you know, the feeling, and how really you can you can affirm and you can say things and and you know again keep affirming stuff, but if you don't have the emotional connection as he said, or that feeling to what you're saying, then somehow the energy that you emit isn't really there to affect any, any change. It's called, so it's
1: called ego based fear,
0: ego based fear. Um, yeah.
1: Our ego so, wants us to feel superior or inferior, but it never wants us to feel equal. And it does that to pull us out of the present moment. Um, Anyways, it's it's a this is a it's a much longer discussion, but the um, yeah the development of emotional intelligence enables us to distance ourselves from our ego-based fears, so we become more of the observer of our ego, as opposed to being controlled by our ego. So,
0: so for our listeners out there, so we we hear fear, right? And as they say, you know, fear is um, is believing in something that you know believing in something that you don't see. Faith and fear. So, uh, would you believe in in something that you don't see that is uh, you know something that's detrimental to you, or believe in something that you don't see that's going to help you?
1: There's different types of fear. There's real fear, like you know, you shouldn't step off the curb in front of a bus. That's a really good fear to have. And then there's psychological fear, which has more to do with our egos. But fear is not the enemy. We need to learn to, and it's not going away. It serves an important function. We need to coexist with our fear, acknowledge it, and be able to move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve, as opposed to allowing that fear to, to keep us trapped in our comfort zones. That's why the development of our emotional intelligence is so important because it will enable us to do that. You know, uh, there was also something that um, resonated
0: with me uh, the other day. Um, I think it was um, Nightingale. He said about what is the secret of happiness, uh, Phil? So he said, "Secret, secret of happiness is freedom and how and the secret of having freedom is having courage and really if you if listening to you what is courage it's the mastery of, of fear right you're being able to um to like shush that voice that paralyze you uh,
1: the freedom is being able to coexist with our fear and it's be, it's it's the ability to be able to distance ourself from our ego-based fears. And we do that by learning to give away, our, by learning to stop giving away our energy. Stop learning to stop giving away our energy automatically creates that that freedom, that distance from our ego-based fears, as well as it develops inspirational leadership and everything else we've talked about.
0: But the so, so, root so, yeah. cause
1: of all Mm -hmm. the root cause of all the drama, chaos, and conflict uh, we experience and see everywhere. And the solution to that root cause problem involves energy physics. So so share with us, Phil,
0: how, you know, you're in an organization, you go to work, right? And you want to guard your energy. How does one do that? How does one not? just give it away. What are, what are ways to do that? You, you, uh, you develop the habits to stop doing that. And how, how, so you walk in a room, how do you not give energy? Cause that's kind of part of you, right? Um, be,
1: be, because it's always your choice between stimulus and response there's a space and in that space you get to choose how you're going to respond so regardless of how anybody else is behaving you have the ability to choose how you're going to respond so what i actually work with executives and organizations in the in the master of business leadership program is i i give them the habits to get them to stop giving away their energy I show them, I show them how they're giving away their energy and I give them better habits to practice to stop doing that. Uh huh. So give us an example of that. Just example of a habit to develop. I did. I I gave you an example of authentic listening. How people give away their energy in, in determining how they feel about them, determining how they feel about themselves based on how others feel about you. Mm-hmm. See whether somebody likes you or whether they hate you they're stepping out, okay, has so nothing being, to
0: do with you mhm right, 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 so basically, uh being able to pause right mm-hmm. so if, if somebody's saying whatever, you pause and then you you objectify that that's not you and, and you know who you are type of thing, versus reacting right yeah, so they' yeah, they're, knowing they're, that they're that entitled they're to
1: decouching. their opinion 100%. but their opinion doesn't need to be your opinion if you like me that's great if you don't like me that's unfortunate but either way whether you like me or whether you don't won't determine how i feel about me you know um what do you think about me
0: is none of none of my business That's your that's your thing you also mentioned about um you know that emotional intelligence can be developed and uh and the motivational the motivational uh change that there are two sources of of that uh motivation can you share with our audience briefly on what are those sure components sure. Mm-hmm.
1: there's there's only two sources of motivation that will cause us to be willing to leave our comfort zone in the pursuit of better results one is pain the other one is passion and hardly anybody's connected with their passion at least not initially so for the most part the motivation to achieve better results is usually driven by an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting i.e. pain so the the first question i ask anybody is what do you want because when they tell you what they want, they're also telling you what they don't have. And the bigger the gap between where they are versus where they want to be, the more motivated they are to look for a solution to close that gap. And without that motivation, change is impossible. It's kind of like the motivation is like putting fuel in your car. If you don't put the fuel in the car, the car's not going anywhere. If you don't have that emotional connection to a desired result that's greater than your fear, you may want better results than you're currently getting, but you won't be willing to do the emotional labor that getting better results requires. And quite frankly, most people aren't. Uh, So what they try and do instead is if they're not willing to change themselves, they often try to change everybody else using some type of (laughs) position-based power to control and manipulate others. And that's what we've been doing for thousands of years. And that's why the level of employee engagement is so low. Uh, so
0: I'm interested, um, on, uh, on that. So let's say you have a team, you have a team of, um, 12, let's say, and you want, you want them to be a more engaged, right? To help, to help with the whole vibe and, and whatnot. What is the, the number one thing that you would tell your, your client? Okay, hey, your team, your team sucks. (laughs) They're not doing well. This is what we need to do. This is the first exercise. What would that be?
1: There's a methodology for individual change and there's a separate methodology for organizational change, but you cannot have organizational change without individual change first. So you have to, um, work with the individuals to help them understand what their source of motivation is, or even if they have one, um, and help them to achieve uh that desired result. And in doing that, they can become better leaders and more emotionally intelligent. And um, the more people you train, coach, to be able to do that, the better it is for the organization. Let me give you an example of a, an organizational organ, organizational change methodology. Think of, think of an organization as a big pool of energy. Um, most organizations are quite toxic. In other words, they're trying to steal each other's energy unconsciously. So the more people you train within that organization to learn to stop giving away their energy, the more you're reducing the toxicity within the organization and you're forcing people to lower their walls or leave the organization for a more chaotic organization. The point is that by developing the leadership and the emotional intelligence of individuals in the organization, the organization can heal itself from the inside out.
0: Right, 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 I like that.
1: Uh, Phil, so with
0: all the benefits of, of, of having, uh, uh, you know, an organization that is high on, on EQ, uh, what do you think are the challenges that, um, that we are, are facing as a society? in what, let's say, in the quest of developing EQ?
1: Um, there are three primary sources of resistance we have to change. Two are biological and one sociological. Uh, the first one I mentioned, the first biological source of resistance I mentioned is our amygdala, right? Uh, the second, biological source of resistance we have to change is our existing habits. Once we develop a habit, it's there forever. Um, and although we can develop new habits at any age, it's called brain plasticity or neurogenesis, those new habits are always going to be weaker than the old habits. Because when we're born, there's, a, there's an insulation layer that goes around the neural network pathway called myelin. And when we're born, it's thicker than when we're older. So that even though the new habits can work better than the old habits, there's going to be a constant ongoing internal battle between the Mm. old habits and the new habits for dominance. Um, The third source of resistance we have to change is sociological, meaning that the people around us don't want us to change. Because if we change and start to get better results, maybe they're going to have to change. And that scares the hell out of them. <laughs> and the best way to ensure they don't have to change is to make sure we fail so they can say, look, I told you so." And I'll get your head down and come back into the herd with the rest of us. So even though this process that I'm describing will work for anybody anywhere at any age doing anything and produce phenomenal results. Hmm. Unless you have an emotional connection to something you want to achieve that's stronger than your fear, you will not be willing to do the emotional labor that getting that result requires. So it all begins with developing or connecting with something you want to achieve that motivates you to leave your comfort zone in the pursuit of that desired result. Nice. You know the old saying, if, if somebody can talk you out of doing something, let them, because it really wasn't that important to you anyhow. <laughs> so what you're really looking for is something that you cannot be talked out of. Regardless of all the extenuating circumstances and all
0: the nagging voices from it's inside called, too. <laughs> it's called grit. With all the challenges that you've mentioned from the amygdala to the habits to uh, that social factor that one needs to contend with um and knowing the the benefit you know from increasing tremendously compounding effect of the roi uh and all that benefit of developing eq how can our audience uh reach you if they want assistance uh on that
1: oh um i'll uh i'll put a link to my uh my Zoom calendar in the chat box and anybody that would like to uh find out more information or continue to the conversation, I'd be I'd be happy to meet with. Love it. You know,
0: I, I also like the fact that you've mentioned that you've this has been your passion for like fifty years. And it's only twenty-three years that you've actually put it into into practice helping people out. So that's uh that's that's a long time of of having that, um, desire, uh, to help people. So, so Phil, thank you so much uh, for gracing the show and and we wish you continued success.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure
0: being with you. And for all our dreamers out there, keep believing you got this till next time.